Welcome to Tax Break, a podcast on the tax law brought to you by the lawyers at Miller & Chevalier. I'm Steve Dixon, a tax litigator with Miller & Chevalier. As usual, I'm joined by my colleague, international tax and tax policy expert, Lauren Pons. Hey, Lauren. Hey, Steve. How are you doing? Okay. <laughs> I'm excited because today we're going to discuss an area of the tax law where we have lots of overlap, uh, which is transfer pricing. And uh, we have so much to say on that topic, as usual. I guess we have a lot to say on all of our topics, but uh, we're not going to keep it to one episode. Uh, and so what we'd like to do with this episode and the next one is discuss the pending Facebook transfer pricing litigation in the tax court. The case is yet to go to trial, but it's potentially imminent. It's a little uh, strange because we don't have a lot of visibility into what's happening. We can't see the docket report because of the way that uh, the case is under seal. So, um, but we do have some info about the case, which is we have the pretrial pre memorandums from both the petitioner, Facebook, and the respondent, the commissioner. And those tell us something about what's at stake in the parties' respective arguments. The idea behind Tax Break is to provide listeners with some perspective on select tax issues that we think are interesting. We want to go deeper than what's in the tax press, but stay sufficiently high level so our listeners can follow along without a copy of the regs, or in this case, the pretrial memorandums, in front of them. As always, first, a disclaimer, Tax Break is not intended to be legal advice, and you cannot rely on it as legal advice. Its content reflects only the thoughts and opinions of its hosts or guests. So it's just the two of us right now, no guests today. Um, and this is the latest in, obviously, a string of transfer pricing cases that have come through the tax court over the years. And like many of them, this one is a cost-sharing case. We saw this in Compaq, in Veritas, and in Amazon. Um, but unlike all those cases, and I think the difference that we're going to get into a little bit today is that the disputed year here comes after the 2009 changes to the cost-sharing regs, or what, what those in the transfer pricing uh, lingo refer to as the Dash 7 regs under 482-7. So a little bit of background. This dispute traces the 2010 when Facebook had little presence outside the U.S. but sought to grow internationally. It's a little hard to imagine that there was a time when Facebook <laughs> didn't stretch across the globe. That time did indeed exist, uh, <laughs> even if we can't remember it very well. Even if we can't remember it any longer. And like so many uh, domestic companies, fa Facebook sought to grow internationally by, uh, by using a foreign subsidiary to do so. In this case, like like many other companies, they formed a subsidiary in Ireland that would enter into a cost-sharing arrangement with Facebook US to share in the costs and benefits of developing new technology. In this case, the new technology involved developing a mobile app for accessing Facebook. Um, there was a time when people apparently mostly used to go on Facebook via their, their laptops. And and because of that, yeah. their desktops even, or their desktops even. Ooh. <laughs> um, let's not. Let's try not to date ourselves too much, though. I know. I mean, we. You know, we are. We are over twenty. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, we are. <laughs> Uh, th that new technology uh, involved developing the mobile app, and and that was crucial because. Uh, it, 
outside of the U.S., that was how most users actually accessed the internet was was not via via computer, but via via mobile. So. Uh, so under the cost sharing arrangement, Facebook Ireland would pay royalties to Facebook US to license the technology that existed at the time of the cost sharing arrangement under what they called the Platform Contribution Transaction Agreement or PCT agreement. And also Facebook would pay Royal Facebook Ireland would pay royalties to Facebook US for both a user royalty because it was getting access to a portion of existing Facebook users to which US already had the rights in the sense that they had sort of, when those individuals signed up, they signed up with Facebook US and clicked, probably clicked on some sort of- Some user agreement <laughs> that they didn't exactly. read. <laughs> exactly. And they pay royalties for trademark and marketing intangibles. So um, the amounts in dispute are kind of uh, strange here uh, because usually we're used to seeing staggering uh, amounts in dispute in these uh, cost sharing cases. But uh, the amount here is extraordinarily small. But as I understand it, and I think, I think, I think you agree with this theory, it's because um, the cost sharing arrangement didn't begin until September of 2010 and 2010 is the only year in dispute. So we're really looking at a couple of months. Right, right. Um, but if we but, telescope that out to the entire duration of the cost sharing arrangement, it's, it's quite a, quite a large dollars. sum. Yes. 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 Um, and, uh, even though the amount at issue is small, the difference in the valuations that the respondents put forward and the petitioners put forward are very large in the range of I, upwards of fifteen billion dollars. I think, from what I can, <laughs> from what I can tell. Although it's a little tricky because Facebook just expresses its position on the intangibles royal, the marketing and trademark royalty as a percentage and not not as a dollar amount. So. Um, so, so that's the sort of the basics of of what's in dispute, and the first uh, issue that we want to talk about, and and there I guess there's sort of two issues that are intertwined here. Uh, one is this uh, this dispute about how this PCT transaction is to be priced, but wrapped up in this is a dispute about whether to price the different intangibles dis discreetly or in the aggregate. Right. So do you want to talk about that for a second, Lauren, and tell us sort of what, what's at stake here? <laughs> sure. I think, well, you know, you did a good job of giving us a kind of an overview of what was agreed to in September 2010. But I do think the details are kind of in the specifics of each agreement and how Facebook framed this cost-sharing arrangement. What was being transferred as a PCT or buy-in, you know, what intangibles already existed that Facebook Ireland was going to use um, in connection with, with um, sharing the cost for developing future intangibles. And then what else were they getting or paying for <laughs> in this transaction? And so, you know, we have the PCT agreement itself, which explicitly excludes user-based and marketing. So from Facebook's perspective, all that Facebook Ireland was paying for in terms of platform um, IP 
was the software related to the Facebook online platform. Okay. Then there's a separate agreement for user base and marketing intangibles, which they define as all the other relationships with people in the user community that Facebook developed and maintained. So to your point earlier, all the people who clicked, I agree. Right. Um, but in the US, I mean, maybe some of these folks were already existing in Europe, but the bulk of them were here. Um, and then the cost sharing arrangement itself, which says that we're going to continue to develop this online platform, particularly with regard to the rest of the world market, um, targeting mobile users as opposed to desktop or Facebook or um, laptop users, no right. iPads at the time. And then they had this operating license agreement that kind of wraps up everything and allows Facebook Ireland the exclusive license to use and commercialize the online platform, the user base and confidential data in the rest of the world. Okay, fine. Um, so then we get into this discussion of, is are these four discrete or three discrete intangible groups or should we aggregate them? Now, as we know at the time, uh, Facebook was uh, entering into this cost sharing under the Dash 7T temporary regs post amendment um, and aggregation was not required. So Dash 7 said, you know, the secretary may determine that aggregation is the best use or best approach to to valuing the intangibles. It gives the most uh, reliable result. And the service, as far as we can tell, only relies on kind of this concept of well, everything that Facebook transferred was so inextricably linked that you have to value them together. Um, you know, there's no way that they could transfer just the platform without counting the user base and the marketing intangibles as so related to that platform that they didn't also count as a as an intangible upon which Facebook Ireland would uh, expand and help develop more of the the software platform the online platform right now <laughs> this calls into question kind of you know i think of this as it, the user base that you're you that the uh, service is arguing should be included is a an intangible itself is that what they're saying and yes. it's the you know i Okay, so let's let's assume that that we agree with with that characterization, and you have the user base wrapped up into this um, the software, the online platform, and without the user base, you have no online platform. Is that true? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, I I think that what what Facebook would say is that the software is code. Yes. And code is and not people. Exactly. Code is <laughs> unless, not people. Unless you've watched too many seasons of Westworld. <laughs> code is not people. And what you're building is more code. Right? That's the that's the point of the cost sharing arrangement. Well, and it's certainly the case, like as you pointed out, from the from the language in the actual uh, the PCT agreement. And I actually sort of have that here, if I can flip to my flag. Uh, the US PCT property was defined 
among other things, is all intangible property, including computer software, relating to the Facebook online platform existing and owned or licensed by Facebook as of the effective date of the agreement. Right. So that seems to me like it's computer software. Right. And that's the whole point of the cost sharing. It's to develop software that is able to be incorporated on a mobile device right. to allow people to access Facebook. That is the point of the cost sharing arrangement. They are going to get into an agreement whereby they share costs based on their reasonably anticipated benefits. And what they're doing is developing mobile mobile app. Right. Right. And the and they will share in the proceeds going forward. Right. It's a seven forty three split. <laughs> based on their rab shares, right? Yeah. So so um, why is this what is this argument that um, the user base and the marketing intangibles are are wrapped up in this online software? I have my yeah, theory about I, where the service is coming from, but I don't right, right. Well, let's. Well, I mean, before we sort of, and I, I want to get to that because I think it's it's worthwhile to sort of read the language from the the Newland report where he sort of mixes these things together. But mm -hmm. but before we, Newland, Scott Newland is there, is the uh, government's expert, the, the commissioner's expert in this case, who's arguing for this aggregate valuation. Um, but before we get there, uh, I mean, we do want to sort of go back to resituating this in the context of other cases, and especially in the in this instance, Amazon. So Amazon is was the cost sharing case that pre it predated these uh, these dash seven regs, these these PCT regs, if you will, and uh, and. In that, in the context of that dispute, which went to the Ninth Circuit after after the taxpayer won at tax court, it went to the Ninth Circuit, and the Ninth Circuit wrote this footnote, and we've we've sort of told you and I have talked about this footnote before, yes. um, but uh, it, it, the the dispute was a similar one, which was do we do we aggregate and and as always, and and I think we'll we'll get into this here, if you aggregate, what else are you wrapping in to your valuation because the irs tends to do these dcf these discounted cash flow method valuations where they essentially project out the income net present value it back and say that's what you're getting when you buy into this cost sharing and so your buy-in or royalty has to approximate that future revenue and taxpayers mm -hmm. want to say no we're going to break out as as Facebook does here and as Amazon did in its case. We're going to break out the different discrete intangibles that are contributed to the cost sharing arrangement and we're going to value those because that's what exists now. That's what you have to pay for. So in Amazon that it when when it went to the Ninth Circuit, the Ninth Circuit dropped a footnote. This is footnote 1 in the Amazon decision. And it says the case here is governed by regs promulgated in 94 and 95. In 2009, Treasury issued temporary regulations broadening the scope of contributions for which compensation must be made as part of the buy-in of payment. And then it refers to the notice that accompanied that. And then it says in 2017, Congress amended the definition of intangible property via TCJA, as you well know, Lauren, 
and that wrapped in both the concept of aggregation and the concept that that good foreign goodwill would be a com compensable asset. So th then the Ninth Circuit, this is sort of the the big the big statement. If this case were governed by the 2009 regulations or by the 2017 statutory amendment, there is no doubt the commissioner's position would be correct. And in Amazon, what that would mean is that, yeah, of course you should you should aggregate all this stuff together and value it. But I think at the time when this footnote came out, a lot of us recoiled uh, because it's because what the 2009 regulations do is, I think, from a from a reader's perspective, looks very different from what happened in TCJA. Right. I would right? agree with that. I would agree with that. The the tempregs inject this concept of aggregation. They don't make it mandatory by any stretch. Um, and it's just another tool. It's another arrow in the services quiver, I would say, but it's not a requirement. And then the TCJA amendment says aggregation must be used if the secretary determines that it gives the most reliable valuation of the cost shared individual. Those are two very different different uh, concepts. Must and, and, and may. <laughs> you know. Indeed. <laughs> yes. Must Crucially and may different. are, are two, two uh, different <clears throat> different articulations of, of when this concept should be should be applied. Right, and I mean, and and further, I mean, it, rather, rather, it, even just going beyond the the aggregation notion, I mean, it's not super clear what a platform contribution is from the Dash Seven regs, and and the you know the idea what what the Ninth Circuit said here is oh well there was a broadening. I think it's clear that that treasury intended to broaden things with the language of platform contributions but the extent to which they broaden things is i think in dispute and so here we are with this amazon footnote which you'll notice commissioner absolutely cites right of up course front they do i mean it's in its brief and 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 the commissioner cites it and and you know it's but First of all, as I always like to point out about this footnote one, it's dicta. It's dicta. It's dicta. What, what is dicta for the for the uninitiated? <laughs> the uninitiated. It means that the court has said something that is not within the purview of what the court was deciding. Right. And therefore, it does not have precedential effect. Now, obviously, I mean, if I were the commissioner, I would absolutely cite footnote one. Of as course, well. you would. Of course. That said. Uh, the the issue before the Ninth Circuit in Amazon was not the scope of the 2009 regs because those did not apply right. and the parties were not briefing them. Right. And the thing that I think we the sort of the litigation move here, as I think you sort of hinted at this, is if if TCJA was necessary, if TCJA had to come in and say goodwill counts and aggregation is a must, then the 2009 regs did not do that. Right. 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 So so we have a, a, a real fight on our hands. And it's an interesting fight because there's this limited eight-year period, right, between, <laughs> between the 2000, enactment of the 2009 regs and 2017 TCJA. And uh, 
I think that there's actually quite a bit to fight about. And Facebook's brief walks through this and says why they think that goodwill is not compensable and why you have to value the issue, why you have to value the intangibles discrete yep. as discrete intangibles. And if you do a DCF, you've got to figure out a way to carve out goodwill and the commissioner doesn't do that. Right. <laughs> no, and, it, I mean, it's all wrapped up together. And I also think that there's a real uh, blurring of the boundaries of what a PCT payment is for. Um, and when you when you do this discounted cash flow and in, and you kind of project out the value taking into account future income that has that is arguably separate and apart generated by something that's beyond what you bought into at the beginning um, the taxpayer is always going to be at a disadvantage and the point of the of the platform contribution is really just to value what you buy into the day you start cost sharing right? Right. You cannot buy future value. Um, <laughs> yeah, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't be held to buy uh, future value, although I, I would argue that the services valuation kind of rolls this concept of future into present. Um, and they're looking backwards or, you know, it's ex ante versus ex post valuation. Um, right. Right. And, or just today, forget future and past. What about this? In and there, there's a real sort of hairiness to the, to the, the idea of platform contribution, because it was whatever you think of how the regs are written, it seems pretty clear from the context at the time what what the commissioner, what Treasury was trying to do, which was there were lots of many of these disputes were let's face it they were centered around technology and you had a software or technology company contributing some kind of tech to a cost sharing arrangement and that tech like all tech is short-lived mm -hmm. the code gets overwritten and rewritten and you know i think when we look back at veritas that you know the experts were saying it's about four years before literally every line of the code that existed before has been rewritten. And so you were getting these cost-sharing buy-ins that said, this is the technology, it's good for about four years. And so your buy-in is pretty small. Right. And, and the IRS said, well, wait, we don't really like that. And they have, there's an intuition behind that, which is that it's, it's not just the software, it is a platform for future software thus thus the thus the idea of platform contribution and right. so it's it's more than just the code as it exists at the time of the contribution but that yeah I, and i i share your <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who are watching you can see my face yeah. which is not uh it's a little bit incredulous i would say <laughs> sure sure but i think like we can i think you would agree that that's what that's what Treasury was trying to do with these. It is, and that's why the service would come in and say your useful life is in perpetuity because. Which is also incredulous, right? Right. Like that's not that is not a that is not a plausible 
picture either because there are all kinds of softwares that go defunct <laughs> and we all loved WordPerfect once upon a time. <laughs> I and, used it in high school. <laughs> and we used Netscape Navigator and those are gone. Yeah. And software doesn't last forever and you know it gets overwritten and so so the the idea that they could push beyond sort of there's this limited useful life and get something more without going all the way to it's valuable forever or literally all of the future income is what's being contributed uh that that's too that's it's a slippery slope and it so is it is a slippery slope and then it, it calls into question for me why have the concept of periodic adjustments if you're going to try to put everything into the buy-in from the beginning, you don't need a periodic adjustment, right? Right, right. But the regs provide for that. Exactly. Because I believe that what you're buying into is really a snapshot. It, it should be short, to your point. The useful life is not going to be that long. And the whole purpose of getting into this arrangement is to continue to develop and, and monetize what you're buying into, what you have today. But what you have today obviously is not going to last. Otherwise, you wouldn't be bothering to do a cost sharing arrangement. You wouldn't be investing in further development. Right. And I mean, right, you know, one of the other concepts that played uh, played a large role in the Amazon decision was the notion of this is, it's what is contributed is existing technology. Right. Not future. <laughs> future technology doesn't exist yet. It does not. It does not <laughs> Only exist. Only present technology exists. Right, right. Um, and so that, you know, calls into question, even if you were to roll in user base and marketing intangibles, it would be the user base that exists as of the date of entering into the cost sharing arrangement, not these future users uh, who are not yet born as the, um, as the, as the um, memorandum characterizes it. But right. truly, they don't, they're not, a, they're, they don't exist. So even if you roll in that that intangible into the platform contribution uh, transaction as the as the commissioner would like to do i think the value is severely limited uh, well so let's let's put a pin in it and let's pick <laughs> it back up um because we do want to talk i want to talk more about user base and yes. i think we want to talk about some concepts like uh business opportunity which yes, uh, network which we effects. Have network effects, and and also the the uh, the I do want to mention in the next episode the the reg challenge that uh, that Facebook gestures at but doesn't doesn't fully uh, vocalize in, right. in the pretrial memo. That is in there, and then we can also talk about what what the 2017 changes might portend in this space. Um, Absolutely. So I hope that everyone will join us for part two. Uh, thanks as always. Thank you, Lauren. Thank uh, you, Steve. And if you have any uh, questions or comments or topics that you think would be good for us to cover, by all means, send us an email at podcasts at milchev.com. That's podcasts, plural, at M-I-L-C-H-E-V. Thanks. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Bye.